Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. For those of you who've ever watched the HBO uh, drama series uh, Game of Thrones, I want you to kind of close your eyes here for a moment. I want you to picture Khaleesi, the uh, you know one of the queens or whatever. Like, there's a lot of characters in Game of Thrones. It's sort of hard to keep all that uh, uh, squared away. But y'all, some of you, if you watch Game of Thrones, you know Khaleesi. And I want you to picture her... Uh, you know, standing there around the throne and saying, bend the knee. You know, that's one of those things that that's a phrase you sort of heard on Game of Thrones from t- Game of Thrones from time to time, kind of a catchphrase out of that series. Everybody competing to be the king or the queen or, you know, ruling the, the land. Was it Westeros? That's what they wanted to rule, whatever else. And, you know, you get to be on the throne. You get to look at out your, you know, whoever you sort of beat for the job and you say, bend the knee. Well, yesterday, if you're a Georgia fan, you may have gotten a chance to hear something Uh, that you maybe have waited a long time to hear and you weren't quite so sure you ever would hear. In a matter of speaking, uh, sort of think we got Alabama coach Nick Saban to kind of bend the knee a little bit yesterday and admit, at least for right now, that the reigning supreme power in all of college football is the Georgia Bulldogs. And they have taken that from Nick Saban. Now, he says, you know, whatever we'll let you hear him say that here in a moment but for now that's what it is i'll give you some context here there is a show used to be on the radio now it's kind of a show like we do streaming video podcast things like that it's called the next round and they had nick saban on yesterday some sort of like charity type thing wasn't really a lot of football conversation in the interview necessarily but at one point in time they asked nick saban what kind of book he's reading he was talking about some book about you know uh i guess dynasties that get toppled or or you know things like that about you know how how you know great societies fall apart things like that and it sort of turned into a little bit of analogy about the current state of college football so that's kind of the question the answer here where nick saban acknowledges hey right now we are not on top of the college football world this is uh, nick saban from the next round this is yesterday Sounds like something you'll use in a lesson to your team at some uh, some point, building a program and people trying to take it away from you. Yeah, well, that's been the case for a while now. And <laughs> last couple of years, they, somebody's been successful, so <laughs> we need to try to take it back. Uh, just breathe that in, folks. Just breathe that in. Oh, it goes down easy. Uh, Nick Saban says, hey, listen, not only is Georgia the top program in college football, but it's been that way for a while. That's right. It's been more than 500 days since Georgia's lost a football game of any kind. They are obviously the back-to-back uh, college football national champions. They are the uh, prohibitive favorite to go for three here in 23. And Nick Saban forced to say that right now we're studying how to change that. We're studying how to upend the runaway train of momentum that is Georgia football because we used to be on top. We used to be the reigning power. Some people thought that my reign would last forever, but now it's not. There's a new guy on the throne. It's Kirby Smart. And I, in this interview with the next round, uh, I have to bend the knee and acknowledge that, yeah, right now uh, I look up at Kirby Smart. He is the guy that's running things as far as it goes in college football. So if you're Georgia fan, I do think uh, you should enjoy that. Now, if you're an Alabama fan, you're going to kind of grasp on grasp on to the last part of that of hey we got to do something to get it back we got to do that and if you're an Alabama fan you sort of take that as a little bit of a rallying cry of yeah coach give them hell you know we're gonna go out there we're gonna take it back from George and listen 
What I'll tell you is, is this is the way the college football is supposed to be, that we do have a scoreboard. The scoreboard rules over everything. This is not like politics where nobody even agrees on what we're even fighting over or or how we determine the winners and losers. Uh, sports has a scoreboard. Everybody can look up and see it, and that tells you everything you need to know about winners and losers. And so Nick Saban, even though we're not really fans of his, we will acknowledge that he's kind of operating within these sort of understood boundaries and rules of sports that right now georgia has scoreboard on its side nothing we can do but acknowledge that we've tried to make every excuse in the book those don't work anymore so we might as well acknowledge that right now on top of the world in college football is the georgia bulldogs but saban says and i'll give him credit for this he has every right to feel this way about his team we're going to compete just as hard as ever we're going to fight just as hard as ever to sort of take that back from uga and that, my friends, is why we love college football to the extent we do. There is no, I would say, purer form of uh, uh, competition than this. Of There is great, great spoils and great, great riches that come your way for winning games. And so, therefore, Georgia, Alabama, teams of that level are going to be fighting as hard as they can to be where Georgia is right now. It's one of the reasons why Kirby talks all the time about, hey, can't get complacent, can't, um, you know, can't rest on what you've accomplished because someone like Nick Saban, who up to this point in time, you know, we would say is the greatest coach of all time. He's not the greatest coach of the moment. We don't believe we believe that is Kirby smart, but Saban clearly throughout history has proven himself to be the greatest coach of all time. And here he is, the greatest coach of all time, acknowledging that right now, uh, Georgia is the top program and to use Saban's words it's been that way for a while so right now in Tuscaloosa we Saban would say we are working as hard as we can to take that back from Georgia and y'all that is why we tune in every September to see if Georgia can stay on top to see who emerges to try to take it from them and that is why college football for most of us is our favorite thing that we love to do whatever everything that Nick Saban says right there I think he has every right to say, and I think it sort of is the way that college football should be discussed. Acknowledge who the best is and raise your hand in the air to say we plan on doing something about that. But here's the thing we also love, not just about college football, but about Georgia itself, because much the same way that Nick Saban would, would say to Alabama, hey, we're trying our best. We have big plans for to take all this back from Georgia and get that trophy back in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, we want to be the best program in college football again. Listen, what Kirby Smart would tell you, and he said this to you after G-Day last Saturday, is that even though Georgia's got two national championships, there is room in the trophy case for even more than that. And there are aspirations at Georgia to do even more than that. So Nick Saban says, we're fired up and ready to take it back from Georgia. Kirby Smart says, come bring him. This is what he said about his team after G-Day this past Saturday. I'm excited. Uh, I've always said, you know, we're built to sustain here. And that's my, my motto. We're not trying to be a one-hit wonder. We want to put... A really good football team out there each year, and uh, we're well on our way to doing that this time. We've probably got the most cohesive unit we've had in terms of the guys love being with each other. Um, they like practicing hard. I mean, we had 14 of the 15 days. I really thought we had good practices, and, and that includes today. And I was really pleased with, with their work ethic. So, like, they like practicing. They like football. When, when people come to your practice and they've been to seven other schools and they say, man, y'all get after it. Man, your guys practice hard. Man, your guys buy in and have fun. It makes me feel better that our, our kids uh, enjoy it. I mean, how awesome is that, especially in light of the idea that uh, Nick Saban in Alabama – you know, say they have plans to come and get what Georgia has. Kirby Smart says we don't have any intentions of being a one-hit wonder. Uh, this is not something we're doing, you know, just for fun for a couple of years. We have aspirations for a lot more success than that. And y'all, 
you know, that's what makes the SEC the SEC, the idea of it just means more. It's that level of competitive fire and spirit at a place like Athens, Georgia, knowing that if there's any complacency whatsoever, then someone in this league can sort of step back and uh, take it from them again. This is why we tune in each and every year. I also noticed Doggy commenting at DogNation.com right now that when you go back and hear the same Saban comment from a moment ago, the one we just played, that that is a such a much better version of Nick Saban than all the stuff that we heard post 2021 of injured wide receivers and this and that and all. I mean, the litany of excuses that Nick Saban offered over and over and over again. He tried them all post 2021 national championship he tried them all every single one and none of them worked they all fell flat and frankly they all diminished Saban not just as a coach but as a man and it seems like now maybe Saban's finally given all that up and Saban is now ready to acknowledge hey whatever the reasons are right now we're not on top right now Georgia is we want to try to go and take that back from them but if you're Kirby Smart you would say I don't expect anything less than that from Alabama Nick Saban. And Ryan Day in Ohio State, once he stops making his excuses, we don't expect anything less than that from them. They want to compete with us as well, Kirby would say. However, Kirby would also say, that's why we show up and work so hard every day. That's why our guys embrace physical and mental toughness. That's why they embrace the need to connect with each other because when you're in a fight like this, you got to know your brothers are on your side. And pretty clearly, uh, that's what uh, Georgia seems to want to cultivate there. And so the idea of go for three and 23, nobody says it's going to be easy. There are teams like Alabama and probably Ohio State, maybe a couple of others that want to try to take it from Georgia. But they've been trying for two years and it hasn't worked yet. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we're happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, live on video. We start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app. Then we come to you after that, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, across all video platforms, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, the Apple Player, Spotify, the worldfamousdognation.com. So many great ways to connect with us on our program we just really appreciate you being a part of it today and a big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible there as well I'll tell you a quick story uh, one of the things I love about a lot of our great sponsors Meriwether and Tharp certainly an example of this they are big dog fans and our Bob Tharp and his wife Ashley and their family they're big UGA fans and we see them in Athens all the time saw them on Saturday so we're doing our Dog Nation post game show from the UGA bookstore and see Bob and uh, his family come up there got a chance to kind of talk to them and we just sort of decided hey maybe we'll go to dinner let's go have some dinner together so we had a great dinner downtown Athens now I will admit it took, turned into a little bit of a marathon it's one of those things where Athens is crowded on a Saturday like that so you got long waits and things like that but listen that was just more great time for us to spend together uh, we had a wonderful meal wonderful time talking Georgia football talking the excitement of the uh, last couple of years here and just such a fun thing and I am so glad we have great sponsors on our show like that who just love UGA, love hanging out, love having a good time. Uh, truly, truly good and special people. And we're thankful to have uh, Bob, Ashley, and their entire family in our life here, our good friends from Meriwether and Tharp. And here's the thing I know as well. We were talking about this, uh, Bob and I were, on Saturday night too. The other thing I really, really love about Meriwether and Tharp is I know I can trust them. So if you're listening to us right now, and listen, we hear from people all the time that have good things happening in their life, you know, the birth of a child or something that's not quite so good, a death of a loved one. And then other times it may be something like a divorce. And in an audience the size of ours, you think about, you know, just, you know, the statistical proof of all this, a large number of you have either contemplated divorce, maybe you're 
you know, viewing divorce as a possibility, something you're going to have to go through, or it's one of those things that maybe you're in the midst of here right now. Well, if that's you, if that's your present, if that's your future, if that's whatever it is, all the more reason to trust my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, because as I said before, I have total confidence in my recommendation of them for you if you find yourself in a divorce situation. Listen, I wish you weren't in that situation. I really do. But if you are, it's important to confront reality on its terms. And that means walking through this process, understanding the law, understanding how it can be leveraged to your benefit, you know, setting yourself up for successful next season of your life when it comes to your finances, your relationship with your children, all those things that are so important about that. So that's why I want you to contact my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. You can find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That is theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's their website. And on that website, you see so many free resources. I'm talking about blog posts, podcasts. One of the things Bob was telling me on Saturday is, you know, they really try to set you up to know a lot about this process before you even talk to them the first time. They give that away to you for free because they want you to be educated about this process. When you have that free initial consultation with one of their attorneys, they want you to be able to ask good questions in a session like that. And ultimately, what they're really trying to help you decide is, is divorce right for me? And if it's not, they want to help you kind of move on and whatever, whatever might be next besides that. Uh, but if it is right for you, obviously, that's when Meriwether and Tharp steps up, works for you, uh, fights hard on your behalf, or whatever you need, or helps kind of arrive at a conclusion that is what you need to, as I said before, you know, have that successful next season of your life, which is really what it's all about. So please find them online, AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That's the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we're going to get uh, Terrence Edwards coming up in just a moment. That's always a fun conversation on Thursday, especially today in light of everything that's going on uh, around Georgia football. It'll be fun to talk to Terrence about all of that. I do want to take care of one sort of housekeeping note here for a moment. I'll tell you more about this tomorrow there, too. But a lot of you are aware that this weekend we are leaving for our Dog Nation cruise. We're going to be gone next week on the Dog Nation cruise. Hundreds of you literally on board with us. We can't wait to have you there with Independence of the Seas. I'm so excited about that. Wish it could be all of you. But since it can't be all of you, since somebody, some of y'all will be back here on the mainland, dry land, uh, not with us there uh, next week, I want to give you a couple of notes about our show. So we are going to pre-record some episodes to air on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. I don't love pre-recorded shows, but it's one of those things we have to do right now. It's a little bit of a challenge out in the middle of the ocean to try to do the show live. So we just sort of need to do it this way. However, we're also mindful here. There's some news that's kind of out there. You know, Transfer Portal is, of course, open. Uh, NFL draft uh, first round is Thursday night you've got the uh, you know the rumors and the buzz around five-star quarterback Dylan Riola that's all kind of a thing right now so we're just kind of aware of all of that so here's what I'm telling you on our pre-recorded shows we're going to do a lot of really fun stuff but also here at Dog Nation we're going to be watching very closely on the breaking news front so just for instance I, I, I don't know this is going to be the case for all I know it could be you know months from now but um, if five-star quarterback Dylan Ryler makes some sort of announcement, Dog Nation will go live. Or if some transfer name of note were to occur, Dog Nation will, of course, go live. And also next Friday, we're not going to have a Dog Nation daily as per normal. That means podcast. We won't put up a podcast next Friday. Uh, but we will go live on video with Connor post first round of the NFL draft to talk about the Georgia guys that got drafted, where they got drafted, and kind of what is on tap next. And probably kind of like a catch up for all the stuff from the weekend. Because even if there's not the, like the one big piece of news that drops, there'll be little small pieces of news that kind of trickle out throughout the week. And so Connor on video will play catch up with you on Friday and certainly react 
to the first round of the NFL draft. He'll do that in our normal Dog Nation daily slot on video at 10 a.m. Then I'll be back for a live edition of our show the following Monday. So let me just recap this here really quick. Pre-recorded shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Live video on Friday in the normal Dog Nation spot. This is next week uh, with Connor, who's not going on the cruise, to react to the NFL draft and talk about whatever else is going on. And then if there's some big piece of breaking news next week, it probably won't be me that does it because I probably won't be able to get a signal to be able to do so. And I don't know that I'll be... I'll be in cruise mode, so maybe not the uh, the best you know person to go on video anyway. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Connor will be around for all of that there as well. So hopefully that is all uh, clear. We'll talk more about that uh, then. But just know we got a great series of pre-recorded shows next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then for those of you that watch on video, live video next Friday in the normal Dog Nation daily spot, kind of reacting to the news that is. And of course, we're watching all that very, very close next week. Connor's going to be here. He's going to be staying back in the uh, home state while we're all going to uh, uh, sail around the ocean with Royal Caribbean on Independence of the Sea. So that is that on that front. Now, before we bring in uh, Terrence Edwards here today, let me get ready to go uh, around the doghouse here for a moment. And speaking of Connor, Connor, an interesting story yesterday, dognation.com, citing some reporting. Uh, Rusty Manzella, I believe, had this first, that Brock Vandergrift, the Georgia quarterback, uh, has, I guess, let it be known through back channels, whatever else, that he intends to stay at Georgia for the 2023 season. Now, I think clearly this is obviously very good news for Georgia. I think it's also good news for Vandergrift there as well. Let me start with the Georgia part of this. As I've told you, it became pretty obvious to me relatively early in the Georgia game on Saturday that, oh, Carson Beck is Georgia's starting quarterback. It just, it just, it just looked the part. And I'll even give you kind of one sort of in the weeds type thing. In the first quarter of this game, Georgia ran like an end around pitch back for a flea flicker with Beck. That's the kind of play that you wouldn't really run if you weren't sure Carson Beck was your starting quarterback. Does that make sense? That if you're really trying to evaluate Beck and sort of you know see if he's got what it takes, then you're probably running more like sort of normal plays. Uh, the kind of idea of like sort of a fun thing like that, end around, flea flicker, you know, that's the kind of thing you do with an established starting quarterback. And so that leads me to believe that George was pretty confident in Beck, the idea they even run a play like that. So, so we saw Beck kind of emerge the likely starting quarterback. And so what I started watching after that was, well, if Beck's the starter and barring injury seems like he's going to be, then what does Georgia have in Brock Vandegrift? And the way that I was kind of viewing this is through two lenses, the lens of how much better could Brock Vandegrift look after another year of experience in this program? And the answer to that question is, I think he could look very good. And the other thing I was asking myself is, hey, injuries have been a factor. Uh, you know, Georgia had a backup quarterback emerge as a historic figure over the course of the last two years. And that sort of started with a quarterback that had a hard time staying healthy, that that uh, you know, injuries are a factor and backup quarterbacks emerge because of that injury. That's not just true at Georgia. You know, that's true at Alabama where Jalen Milrow played significant snaps last year and on and on you can go and cite backup quarterbacks that become, you know, pretty prominent figures in the SEC partially because of injury. Georgia saw Garrett Nussmeyer a lot in the SEC championship back in December uh, because the uh, starter Jaden Daniels was also, you know, not, not, not fully healthy. The injuries are just a factor. So if Beck were to get hurt, what would Georgia have in Brock Vandergriff in that situation? I got to tell you, I think that Georgia looks like it has a very good starter in Carson Beck, and I think it looks like it's got a pretty capable backup in Brock Vandergriff. So this is really good news that Vandergriff is staying. I think that he's a valuable you know, piece of the Georgia roster. 
I think Gunnar Stockton is too. Fandergriff's a little older than Stockton is, so the spotlight's kind of on him right now in a way that it's probably not on Gunnar Stockton as of yet. I think uh, Stockton looks like a great prospect. Jake Fromm said some very nice things about Gunnar earlier this week. But Vandergriff is the one that there was probably more curiosity about because he's waited just a little bit longer. I believe he's close to graduating from Georgia. Um, that's the guy that that you know could transfer, and he is apparently, according to what Rusty Manziel has reported, uh, he, uh, and, and uh, Connor Riley wrote about, he's apparently not planning on doing that, which is really good news. Let me let you hear a little bit from Vandergriff, and then I'll make another uh, point before we uh, shift gears on this about kind of how Vandergriff sort of views his spring at Georgia. And the overall sense that I get here is, is that Vandergriff is fairly comfortable with how he performed this spring, not just G-Day, but spring practice overall. And also pretty uh, introspective about what he showed in this G-Day game on Saturday, starting with we all saw, I mean, the thing we've heard and you know we've seen glimpses of before, we got even more of a look at this on Saturday. This is a guy who really has some wheels and he can run pretty well even for a bigger quarterback he runs you know pretty well here we saw some of that from him on Saturday he talked about that and kind of trying to do that against the Georgia defense is obviously quite formidable this is a little bit from Brock Vandegrift evaluating his performance from G-Day on Saturday I'm not sure if I outran anybody on that one I probably had a good angle but uh it's uh, it's good being able to go out against one of the best defenses whether you're going against the ones or the twos and coach Smart says uh it's to our advantage being able to see that every day me and Carson and Gunner just uh this defense is, is probably one of the best in the country, arguably, and uh, it's our benefit being able to see that every day. So I like that, obviously, and that's one of the reasons if you're uh, Brock Vander, if you might stay at Georgia, because, hey, at Georgia, practicing against this defense, am I being developed as a better player than I would be somewhere else? I think it stands to reason that, yeah, you might be, that, that you might be in a better spot because of that than you would be somewhere else. And ultimately, the goal is not to be how good you can be today. It's how good you can be eventually. And getting trained for the NFL, which is obviously where Brock wants to go, you can do that even when you're not playing. And if Vandegrift isn't playing this upcoming season as much as he'd like to, that doesn't mean he isn't getting better. And that doesn't mean that wouldn't, that won't one day reap him rewards when it comes to NFL draft time when he's ready to take that step. As far as some of the stuff throwing the football, he obviously had interceptions and things like that. This is where Vandegrift kind of acknowledges that while I think he thinks he had a pretty good spring at Georgia, I think he also thinks he could have had a little bit better G-Day, kind of toggling back and forth with the uh, black team, which was sort of the second team offense, the red team, which was the first team offense. You know, you saw some good, maybe some not quite so good from Vandegrift in terms of throwing the football, and Vandegrift was pretty open about all of that. Once again, here's Brock from Saturday. We're splitting reps in practice, and uh, I've thrown to those dudes all practice, and if there was any bad throws, those are on me. But uh, I know what they're going to run, and uh, I-, I wish I could have put the ball in a little better place than I did sometime. I put the ball uh, in the other team's hand one time, but uh, other than that, I-, I feel like I had a pretty solid day being able to throw to red guys or the black guys. So I think that's an interesting evaluation as well from Vandergriff, and I'll go back to what I said a moment ago, that the news that Brock's apparently staying at Georgia, as has been reported, is not just good for UG, I think it's good for Brock too. I think this is an example of a young man understanding something pretty important here, that we can all cite the example of, well, you know, uh, Joe Burrow left uh, Ohio State, went on to LSU, became a historic figure, or Justin Fields left Georgia, went on to Ohio State, and, you know, uh, made the college ball playoff or whatever it was that he did there we can sort of cite these handful of examples when a transfer quarterback has gone somewhere and achieved greater fame and success for doing so 
But there are also a lot of examples when transfer quarterbacks have left and they have found the grass has not been greener for whatever reason, one way or another, at the place that they went to. And maybe having had been more patient at their old place would have actually worked out better for them. The common example of this is Mac Jones. You know, Mac Jones at Alabama signed as a part of the class of 2017. He was actually the second quarterback in that class to a tongue of Iloa, got all the attention. But when it was all said and done, even though it came in a pandemic year, what Mac Jones did in 2020 likely makes him, you know, one of the best single season quarterbacks Alabama's ever had. Became a first round pick because of that. And all of that because he was willing to stay patient and wait and really achieve more success. There are plenty of people in Tuscaloosa, who I'm sure, would say they never even thought that Mac Jones would be starting quarterback in Alabama. Yet eventually he became one of the best single season quarterbacks the program ever had. And I'm obviously not going to tell you, and that's exactly what's going to happen with Brock Vandegrift, or that's exactly what's going to happen with Gunnar Stockton. But I'm going to tell you that it might. And in terms of putting yourself in a position to one day succeed and one day be on the field, doing so at a program where you're already comfortable. You've lived in Athens for a while. In Vandegrift's case, that's his hometown anyway. You've lived in Athens for a while. You've gotten familiar with the offense. You've gotten familiar with the school. You are in comfortable surroundings. When it comes to succeeding on the field, do not underestimate the value of comfortable surroundings. And don't underestimate the idea that sometimes the best path towards eventual success is patience. Not necessarily the kind of impatient attitude that gets me to look around. Where can I go? Hey, where can I play right away? You know, who's desperate enough that they need a quarterback here right now? You know, a team that's desperate for a quarterback isn't always a team that's set up to succeed. Whereas being patient in a place like Georgia could eventually work out in the long run. And that's ultimately the thing that matters most. So this is great news for Georgia. Uh, Vandergriff's a, I think, a really talented prospect and a really important guy to have as a part of your quarterback depth. I also think this is good news for Brock Vandegrift, too. I think it shows a certain level of understanding here that sometimes the best path towards eventual success is patience. Brock's showing some patience here right now, and hopefully that works out for both him and UGA in the long run. That is Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, there is a pretty significant quarterbacking rumor that we need to get to before the show is done. It is just a rumor. Who knows? Uh, if it turns true some of these do some of these don't but we'll at least kind of give it to you as a little bit of a thought starter coming up a uh, little bit later on but for now more of what we saw on what I thought was really pretty entertaining G-Day the value of Brock Vandegrift uh, staying here at UGA and what exactly is all the fuss about when it comes to five-star quarterback Dylan Ryle all of that on the table here for a guy we love talking to each and every Thursday it's the former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards here today on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Terrence Edwards here today. And we were just talking about Brock Vandegrift, the decision reportedly to come back to Georgia for next season. You know, I don't know, Terrence, that I thought Vandegrift was going to transfer. I think I've had probably the intuition that he probably was looking to stay here at UGA. But the fact that it seems to be about as close to official as we're ever going to get here um boy i take that as really good news really valuable piece to georgia i think that carson back right now looks like the starting quarterback but i think that vandergriff looks like he has the potential of being a capable backup and certainly he's got a skill set that can really be molded with maybe another year in the program here how valuable do you think it is that brock vandergriff looks like he's coming back let's see if we can get uh terrence turned up there left that quarterback room would only have one scholarship quarterback left that would have been Garner. So just from the depth aspect, because we all know um, you're, you are one player away from being a starter. So I think that's a, a great thing that Brock is coming 
coming back just for depth wise and you know you never know what's going to happen. You never know. We spoke about it a few weeks ago that, you know, Stetson did not start the season off two years ago. You know, he was the third string, and then he ended up winning two national champions. So you just never know how to, how he's going to play. So I'm just happy that he's staying just for depth-wise, and I think he's a talented young man. Yeah, babe, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit more. Like, what have you seen from Vandegrift as a player? I think the one thing a lot of us noticed on Saturday, kind of echoing some of what we've maybe seen in the past, is there's clearly a lot of athleticism here. This is a this is a very capable runner, and, you know, certainly a guy that has the ability to throw it too. Probably ran it better than threw it on Saturday maybe. But, you know, what have you seen from Vandegrift as a player, and I guess how would you describe his skill set overall? I think right now his his running ability is probably a little bit uh, more uh, polished than his throwing ability that I saw on Saturday. But um, I know his quarterback trainer, Ron Bill. I work with Ron Bill twice a week at the bubble, so I know that he's actually with the right guy to kind of help him mechanically. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to continue to uh, try to iron out the details of, of throwing the football. But um, I would not if if something happened to Carson. I think we all think Carson is probably going to be started going into the into the first game because he he looked uh, poor. Carson looked uh, fantastic back there. He just looked everything that I wanted to see Carson presented. Uh, but Brock still have a skill set that I think we can use. Uh, I, I'm not for the two quarterback platoon, but I do think there's ways that we can use Gunner and Brock athleticism to our advantage and plus here's the other thing too and you kind of touched on this a moment ago as well which is look at the nfl draft right now i mean a guy like anthony richardson's being in conversation as a top five pick maybe even higher than that on the basis of pretty short career at florida i mean he only had you know one full season as the uh, starting quarterback at florida and yet you know he's in a very high draft conversation right now you know there are other examples that i talked about mac jones a little earlier there as well who pretty much built a case for himself as a first round pick based on just the 2020 season that you know you don't have to be a four-year starter in college to earn the attention of nfl draft scouts for carson Beck, who's now waited until his fourth year to potentially be georgia starting quarterback for a guy like brock vandegrift who may also have to wait into the future there as well that once you finally get your chance if you make good on that opportunity that'll be enough to earn the attention of nfl draft scouts won't it oh most definitely if you have the skill set to play in the, on the next level they're going to find you they're going to do their work i mean you just you know there's just one name anthony richardson i think he probably started 13 14 games uh let's go back a few years before mitchell trubisky uh, got drafted before Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Watson started over 40 games in his career at Clemson, and Mitchell Trubisky, I think, started 13 at North Carolina. So if if your skill set warrants a, a, a high draft pick or just draft it, period, uh, it, will, it will they, they will find you. I just think of a name that just popped to my head. Matt Leinart did not yeah. start a game in, the NFL, in, in, in college, and he went on to have a 15-year NFL career, so you just never know. Yeah, Matt Castle, you mean Matt, a, Matt, Matt Castle, right? Matt, Matt Castle, yeah, yeah. Not Matt Lyon, Matt Castle. Matt Castle didn't start a game and end up 15 years in the NFL and made a lot of money. So yeah. you just never know how it's going to turn out. And I'm just happy that you know that Brock is, is staying and continue to develop as a player and a person you talked about Carson Beck I want to get in more into the Carson Beck conversation with you here coming up in a moment but I also want to ask you about this there as well 
there's been all kinds of chatter this week about the five-star quarterback, you know, arguably top recruit in the entire country, Dylan Raiola. Uh, the idea that Raiola might be about ready to make a UGA commitment. Folks were on, on watch for that a couple of days ago. Hasn't happened as of yet. I still think, though, when Raiola makes his decision, it's going to be for UGA. Uh, I guess, Terrence, I'm curious about this. What is all the buzz about here in terms of Raiola as a player? I think uh, Dylan's a guy we've talked about before, but but what do you like about Dylan Raiola, and why do you think that so many Georgia fans are so eager to see this guy as part of this 2024 class? Well, you know, he's touted as the number one quarterback in this upcoming class, and I've watched the film a lot. And one thing that jumps off to me is he's a big kid to be uh, 16, 17 years old right now, 6'3", listen at 6'3", 220, and, you know, his father played in the NFL, so he has the pedigree, he has the, the know-how and the wherewithal to understand what it's going to take to get to that level. Um, and if you just watch his film, he's very polished as a thrower. Uh, he will run, but his, his main asset is, is being able to sit back in that pocket and, and throw the football in. Just not him being, you know, with, with being the number one quarterback, that's going to bring a lot of attention to wide receivers. And it seems like Ringo is a kid that is going to come along with him. So I've watched his film as well. So I like that. Uh, I like him. I mean, I, I, there's no disrespect to anyone, but I'm glad that we didn't take a quarterback in this cycle in the 23 class uh, because I like this quarterback better than the one that we went after last year. Um so that's a, he's a, he has a lot to like. He has a lot of the intangibles that you're looking for as a quarterback, and I'm happy and hopefully he comes to Georgia. Now, hold on now. You know I'm not going to let that go. So you think Dylan's a better prospect than Arch Manning? Yes. Yes, I do. Tell me yeah. more about that. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I don't know many people who do, but tell me more about what you like about Riola more so than Arch. Uh, after watching Arch film last year, he, he, it just never jumped off the page for me. He, his, his skill set uh, just did for me. It just didn't say number one quarterback in the country last year. Uh, my number one quarterback in the country is, is Nico that went to okay. Tennessee. Okay. You saw the, you saw the arm strength. You saw the arm talent. Um, I just did not see, and no disrespect to anyone. This is just my opinion. If it's, I don't think if his last name was Manny, I don't think he would have been the number one quarterback in the country last year. No, I think that's fair enough, uh, Terrence. A really good evaluation. Right, let's turn our attention now back fully to G-Day. And you mentioned Carson Beck a moment ago. We haven't talked about him enough, you and I. I want to talk about more G-Day stuff. But, uh, you know, starting with Beck here, you know, I thought it was a really good day. And to me, and, and Carson said some words to this effect after the game, he just looks so grown up now compared to what I kind of perceived him to be a, a couple of years ago. Frankly, go back to 2021. You know, he had a chance to earn that starting job that day before the UAB game. This is when uh, JT Daniels was was dealing with that injury post Clemson and Beck didn't do it. And, you know, maybe that spoke to maturity at the time or whatever else. But gosh, he just seems so much more grown up to me. And I was really very pleased with what I saw from Carson on Saturday this was a guy that I just thought really kind of looked the part. It sounds like you did too. Would you mind going into more detail about what was impressive for you about back on Saturday? Yes, I mean, if you look at him, you could tell that he has total command of the offense. Um, I know there's a lot of people that, you know, if you like Coach Bobo, you don't. I don't care what he uh, has shown in the spring game. If you like him, you like him, you don't, you don't. So I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. But Carson stayed in there. And he threw the football with command and, and conviction. He knew where to go with the football against the number one defense. So let's not uh, just poo-poo as being a spring game. He, he went against the number one defense. And 
and had a great showing. I mean, if he could go 18 for 22 and 200 plus yards in every game, I'll take that. That is a high completion percentage. Uh, the offensive line did a great job of giving him a clean pocket. He stood in there and made the throws. And I didn't see one inaccurate throw all day. Um, he, I just liked what I saw for him just from a body language standpoint uh, all day. You mentioned Bobo. How about Bobo as a guy who's an offensive coach yourself? What did you notice from uh, Mike on Saturday in comparison to the Todd Munkin offense we've seen before? And I know it's G-Day, so there. I mean, I think there was some stuff on Saturday intentionally concealed that I did not want to show, but you did see some tendencies. You saw, you know, something there. How would you compare what you saw from Mike Bobo to the offense you've seen the last couple of years uh, from Todd Munkin? You know, after you know talking to Bobo once I went up for the clinic, and you know Bobo and I are really close. Uh, him and my brother came in together. He's the godson, godfather of Robert's son Jordan. So uh, you know, and I spoke with him about it. And a lot of things is not going to change. There's a few things that he's going to put his spin on, um, but not too much is going to change. I just think the only thing that's going to change is you won't see us in a lot of twelve personnel. I just think, and I keep going back to, I just think. Uh, Agent Zero was just Darnell was just different. You you cannot have a guy like that on the field. And I think we'll be in more eleven personnel this year than in the past. I personally think if Darnell was not there, it would have been more in, in eleven personnel. But Darnell is just such a, a weapon. You had to continue to go with twelve. So that's the only thing I would see. I would say probably going to be a little different. That will be more uh, more ninety percent eleven personnel and not as much twelve. But we do have some some Oscar, and we do have uh, Lawson Lucky that we can go twelve. But I just don't see a lot twelve personnel, just because of uh, Darnell is just such a weapon in, in the passing game and in the blocking game as well. Yeah, so I agree with everything you're saying, and at the same time, Terrence, I sort of feel like that because the fact that the Georgia wide receivers on paper look like they're better to start a season than maybe they have been in a little while under Kirby Smart, and because Darnell Washington is gone, and Washington was obviously such an important piece of the Georgia offense a year ago, I almost think we're getting to the point, as weird as this sounds, that the Georgia tight end room to me is a little bit underrated. Now, nobody questions Brock Bowers. Everybody sort of views him to be you know among the very best players in the country. But even sort of beyond Bowers, I still think this is a really deep tight end room. And I think Georgia's offense could look a little bit different this year because they want to involve wide receiver maybe a little bit more. And obviously losing Darnell is is no small thing, uh, both literally and figuratively. But I'm sort of starting to think that maybe this Georgia tight end situation may be a little bit underrated. Uh, You get where I'm coming from on that? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. But, I mean, if you – and, you know, with the buzz of Lawson – uh, we have three good tight ends in there, and I'm going to knock on wood. I don't want to put this out in the atmosphere, but if, if Brock had to sit out a game, I, I, I am very comfortable with the two tight ends that's, that's backing up Brock right now with Oscar Death and Lawson Lucky. Uh, I, I, would be, uh, I wouldn't blink an eye. Yes, we're going to lose uh, just his tremendous playmaker. We're going to use his ability to run the football. We would lose all of that, and the game plan for defenses may shift to someone else. But I'm very comfortable if we just out Brock out for a game. I would be very comfortable with playing the, the two guys that's behind Brock. How about something else from G-Day? You know, anybody else kind of jump out at you? I know there's been, you know, one, a guy you've tied before, Dylan Bell. He had a very good game. We've talked a little bit about Makai Muse this week, who showed off a lot of athleticism. What else was sort of interesting for you uh, about what maybe emerged there on G-Day? Uh, man, I can tell you this. Uh, I, you, you just could see the confidence spewing out of Arian Smith. Uh, I think 
you know, he can don't want to put this out in atmosphere either. But if he can stay healthy, he's going to have a big year. Um, and I think the coaches are confident in him because he, he went on, I think, two jet sweeps and scored on one. And he's, you know, he, he has a tremendous upside for us, the speed that he's had. So I, I can say, I, if he, I, I'm going to put this out there. If he can stay healthy and play, all the games. He may be the leading receiver from the receiver standpoint. I think Brock is going to have more catches, more yards, but from the receiver standpoint, Aaron Smith may be the leading receiver. I think he just brings something different to the table that no one else, well, I'm going to say no one else because we have brought in a lot of speed, sure. but with the, the older guys, he has something that they don't have, and that's just that straight line speed. And if he can play all, and I'm going to go 15 games, if he can play all 15 games, he's going to have a heck of a season. But I think that's the point, though, Terrence, and I think you're making a good point. You know, We've seen guys have like G-Day success before, but in the case of Smith, who had two touchdowns on Saturday, this comes after he was really the hero, one of the heroes of that Peach Bowl win against Ohio State. And... You know, so you're talking about a guy that is a speedster, you know, literally could be a track star, you know, has had a chance to do that. But now you're pairing that with some experience. Now you're kind of doing that um, with, with a guy that not only runs well, but has experience, has made big catches during a game. I have to say that Arian Smith right now is very much on my radar because literally he just seems healthier than he's been in the past. Oh, most definitely. Health brings confidence. And, you know, the way he performed, and especially in the, in the uh, national championship game, scoring couple touchdowns you just could see the confidence now and I've went and watched practice and you could tell that he's just more confident and that comes off from being healthy and just confident in his in his body knowing that he could go out there and be the best Arian Smith so if he could continue to stay healthy I just look for a big year for him because he's different with his speed he, he is very different yeah, there is a note about no doubt about that uh, whatsoever. And then, you know, Terrence, some people kind of made a little bit of a big, big deal. We'll wrap up after this, but some people kind of made a little bit of a big deal about, hey, early in the game, first team defense kind of, you know, kind of giving up some stuff to that first team offense. You know, what I've said is, and I think you'll probably agree, you know, this, this is a unit that's missing, what, four starters? Or, and, uh, you know, schematically, they're not going to be able to get out there and really, you know, you know, chase after quarterbacks and do the things they do uh, during the fall. I don't take much one way or the other from the defensive performance. I, I don't think there's a lot of stuff they're allowed to do. They're obviously missing a bunch of big horses. Uh, I think that Georgia defense is still going to be just fine. I do, I do too. We, we're too talented. Uh, we're coached too well to not be. And we are we were missing a lot of the number one guys, especially D line, uh, D line wise. Uh, so I, I just feel like we, you know, you could go in and be very vanilla, uh, don't show too much, but we're, we're going to be just fine. And I'm going to tell you a guy that uh, that I, I just think will have a breakout year is, is, is Jalen Walker, and he reminds me of uh, the name just slipped my mind. But Jalen Walker, is, I think, is going to have a, a tremendous year. I like him on the outside more than inside, and that's one thing that I thought last year that we lacked was just straight pass rushes from the edges. And let's just talk about those those freshmen that we have as well, the edge rushes. Damian Wilson is – I saw a lot of stardom in that young man. Jordan Hall, I saw a lot of stardom in that young man. So I just think now that our pass rush is going to be an equalizer that we didn't have last year, uh, especially when Nolan Smith went down and Adam Anderson – and his situation went down. We haven't had it's just that natural pass rush. And I think we're going to have it this year. 
Uh, very, very fun to think about that, Terrence. Really good stuff indeed. Thanks for being here today as part of uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And, of course, I saw you on social media this week. That bubble work's been out there training guys in some case early in the morning, in some case whatever else. Your buddy Ryan Veal out there uh, with those quarterbacks too. Uh, everybody getting better this time of year. Terrence, for people who want the kind of training you provide at the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, how can they get in touch with you for more on that? Uh, before I say that too, B, I'm going to say it on the air. Today is my birthday. Happy I'm birthday, Terrence. I'm old today. Happy uh, birthday. You, 44 years young today. So, But if anyone's looking to uh, continue their, their son or daughter uh, to get better at, the, at their craft, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Cat. Yeah, here's the tough thing when you're a former player, Terrence, because you know some people might be tempted to sort of lie about their age and be 39 for about five years or something like that. But we can go back and do the math on you. We can all go back and figure out when you were 18. We can start adding those years from that. So uh, – <laughs> When you're a player, you don't have the luxury of sort of uh, staying 39 for a long time. Eventually, you got to move into those 40s, right? The best thing about it, I do not look 44, so I'm happy. To no doubt about that. 44. Hey, no, <laughs> no, no doubt about that. That's a good-looking 44, Terrence. I'm envious of you indeed. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon, okay? I thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I'm just telling you, it's tough when you're a former player. Everybody remembers that freshman year. They know you're 18 then. So if you're 18 then, you can add whatever to now, and that pretty much gets you to that age. And so uh, uh, there are a lot of people out there. Like every now and then, you know, I hear, it's oh, so-and-so celebrity's birthday. She is blah, blah, blah years old. And part of me is like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I feel like that person's been in our life for kind of a long time. I'm not quite so sure that age quite works out. With football players, it's a lot easier to kind of fudge all of that. Uh, but nonetheless, as Terrence said, that's a good-looking 44 right there. Uh, so uh, good for him. Hope he has a very happy birthday. Uh, that's uh, that's awesome to see. So happy birthday to our good friend uh, Terrence Edwards right there. Always such a big part of what we're doing here. Uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Also, don't forget, as I told you, next week, Dog Nation Cruise. We're excited about that. And listen, as I told you, if I could bring all of you on board Independence of the Seas with us, first of all, the ship wouldn't hold all of you. But if it could, theoretically speaking, you better believe I would do that. Uh, but the next best thing is for you to hear us talking about our own Royal Caribbean cruise and for you to plan your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Jessica Slater is a travel agent specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. She can help you with that. You can give her a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She can talk to you about the wide variety of cruises you can take via Royal Caribbean. Whether you want to go out of Port Canaveral, that's the port that's probably closest to me. I like to drive to the port. Uh, we'll drive on Sunday down there. Uh, just go right past Orlando. You're basically you know, kind of in that Port Canaveral, Cocoa Beach area. That's where the uh, ship goes out of. It's really easy to get to from where I live here in the Atlanta area. And right there in that port, Port Canaveral, you're talking about you know the four-night sailing like we're doing. Uh, there's also an opportunity to take some three-night sailings there as well, which kind of goes out over the course of a weekend. You know, sort of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you come back on Monday. Our thing goes Monday, and then we're coming back on Friday. But also, if you want the big deal, you can do the seven-night sailing on one of those Oasis-class ships. And really, to me, that's a great experience to kind of get the full taste of everything that Royal Caribbean offers, all of the entertainment, all the live music on board, the special shows, uh, the specialty restaurants, the bars, the lounges. If you want the full taste of that, largest class of ships, the Oasis class of ships on one of those seven-night sailings, that might be the best way to do that. But either way, Jessica Slater can help you with all of that. And, of course, so many of these sailings go to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, that private island that you know that I love. All of that available for you. All right. So let's talk a little bit about a transfer rumor that's out there. We don't know if this is true, but we do know that it's being talked about, which is 
and Alabama, it seems like the two guys vying to be the starting quarterback right now, Jalen Milrow, who we saw play some last year, Ty Simpson was maybe supposed to be the next guy, the guy that would maybe overtake Milrow and emerge. Seems like that's not happening. The Milrow thing, we kind of know right now that he is, you know, okay, but certainly not a stellar quarterback prospect. So therefore, it sort of stood to reason that Alabama might be in the market for a transfer quarterback. But the problem for teams that were potentially in the market for transfer quarterback going uh, you know, back to the winter was there were just not a long list of elite quarterbacks in the portal. A lot of guys doing what Brock Vandegrift has chosen to do, which is stay at their current school. And maybe they all have different reasons for doing that. But, uh, but we have seen a handful of quarterbacks sort of choose to stay. That we could be in an age right now where not recruiting is the new recruit. I should say not transferring is the new transferring. You know, it used to be the hot thing for quarterbacks. Say, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm bolting. And, you know, a huge percentage of, you know, former elite recruits of the last couple of years have chosen to do that. But this year, Drake May didn't transfer. The Tulane quarterback didn't transfer. You know, on and on you go with potential uh, transfer quarterbacks, and they just chose not to do it. Brock Vandegrift obviously becoming the latest to say, I'm going to stick it out at my current place and sort of see what happens here. So for teams like Alabama or Florida or probably Auburn, who would love to have had another transfer quarterback, there just weren't lots of transfer quarterbacks to choose from necessarily. In fact, Lane Kiffin got them all. You know, he's got Spencer Sanders. Uh, he's got uh, uh, Walker Howard from, from LSU. Got Jackson Dart a year ago. So he's hoarded all the transfer quarterbacks. But big names like Drake May and others, they just didn't leave. Sam Hartman did go to Notre Dame, but a lot of guys didn't. So if you're in the market for transfer quarterback now in this portal window that's open until April 30th, it's almost like you may have to coerce somebody else to enter the portal so you can get him. And there are some chatter out there right now that Alabama might be trying to do that with Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke, who's no stranger to the transfer portal as it is. But uh, this is what Alabama, some are thinking, may be trying to do. Who knows how real this is? But our judgment on this is, first of all, there are plenty of rumors involving UGA that we don't mention because, you know, we want to be careful. We're a little less careful sometimes when it comes about rumors other places, just to be completely honest with you. So we felt comfortable bringing this up because it's been pretty hotly uh, talked about on social media, things like that. So keep your eye. Alabama spring game is Saturday. Keep your eye post spring game on Alabama potentially making a move with a transfer quarterback. Now, Greg McElroy said the other day that he thought that if one of these quarterbacks played well in the spring game, that might uh, convince Saban not to do this. I'm not quite so sure I believe that. Uh, I think that Saban as a coach is smart enough to know that a small sample size like one spring game isn't enough to prove anything. It may have some Alabama fans convinced that maybe they do have the right quarterback on their roster, but Saban has seen all these practices behind closed doors. If there's even a whiff of this maybe being a case, then behind the scenes, Saban's probably working pretty hard to make it happen. Now, maybe for whatever reason it doesn't, you know, stars don't align, the money's not right or whatever, you know, kind of determines these things here uh, these days. But uh, this is serious enough. We thought we should probably bring it to your attention. Alabama possibly looking at Tyler Van Dyke as they transfer a quarterback. And then shout out here for a moment. South Carolina coach uh, Shane Beamer doing some real work when it comes to recruiting. Uh, Gamecocks got three uh, three uh, uh, commits, I should say, yesterday, including a four-star cornerback, which now gives them a total of eight four-star commitments here for the class of 2024. This is a South Carolina class right now, according to 24-7 Sports, ranked as the number six recruiting class in the entire country. And there's going to be some movement and, you know, rankings are going to slide up now one way or another. But this is not an insignificant haul thus far for South Carolina, especially in light of what they did yesterday, taking down some uh, commits and really kind of wrestling them away from some SEC powers, including Florida. They'd like to have gotten some of these guys. Shane Beamer right now is doing some real recruiting work. This has a chance to be 
you know, best South Carolina recruiting class, really probably of all time, certainly in, in a long time. Uh, I, I guess you want to you go back to uh, uh, they were 16th in recruiting a year ago. So, you know, even last year, that's not a bad class, historically speaking, for South Carolina. But Gamecocks have a chance to be even better here in the uh, class of 2024. And this obviously comes on the heels of really strong momentum to conclude last season where you got the win against Tennessee. You got the win against uh, Clemson to conclude the regular season. There was what seemed to be a little bit of, a, I guess, a blip after that with transfer portal losses the uh, the early portal window did not seem to be kind to south carolina but what's going on with recruiting right now seems very much in keeping with the success they were enjoying on the field at the end of last season so who knows how long this lasts and obviously taking the next step as a team on the field for south carolina in 2024 not going to be an easy thing to do but shane beamer seems to be having some real success there right now and in comparison to these other, you know, sort of, you know, newish coaches around the SEC and around college football, it seems like Beamer overall probably generates last chatter. I'm not quite so sure that's fair, given, uh, you know, I mean, for instance, we talk way more about Josh Heupel than we do Shane Beamer, typically speaking, yet they both had similar first years on their job, and Shane Beamer beat him head-to-head a year ago. That in comparison to all the talk that Josh Heupel gets, I think that Shane Beamer is almost undercovered because of that. And I will say this, too. While Georgia fans certainly don't root for Shane Beamer, there is a coach or South Carolina, I should say, while Georgia fans would not root for South Carolina, there is a coaching style with Beamer I kind of like here a little bit. I mean, clearly there's the sort of hard driving, burn the candle at both ends, you know, just, you know, super serious all the time style of coach. And that can really, really work. But there's also, I think, some room for someone that's willing to show a little humanity from time to time. Beamer's a part of some funny videos, uh, you know, Beamer's, you know, pretty open in some of this press conference type stuff you know some of the stuff that he said in press conference in the past not everybody has loved all of that it's kind of made him you know a target for some you know criticism or he's been memed a few times i guess or something along those lines uh but ultimately i think it's good to have an array of different personalities in the sec i think shane beamer's got some personality i wouldn't mind seeing uh, a personality like beamer have some success because more coaches like that maybe wouldn't be such a bad thing necessarily uh, but for right now, uh, a little bit of recruiting momentum for Shane Beamer at South Carolina, up to number six in the 24-7 sports rankings after three commits yesterday, a total of eight four-star commits right now. So South Carolina recruiting a little bit better than they typically have in the past. Wanted to make you aware of that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as we wrap up here today, speaking of cruising, we'll do a cruise-themed golden shoe. Of course, when people think about Royal Caribbean cruises, they sort of think of me in some respects, and I'm glad that they do. George Malcolm sent this to us. He said, B.A., I was was on Wonder of the Seas last week. Can you tell where I was sitting? Right there in that wonderful pool deck, right there on Wonder of the Seas. I love kind of like the almost the stadium-style seating that goes around that pool deck there. And look in the the, uh, pool there, too, those those loungers that are kind of in the water. I've certainly uh, taken advantage of those many many times sort of falling out of one or two of them every now and then too you have to be a little bit coordinated to get up and out uh, out of those things uh but nonetheless really great uh lounge chair opportunities right there in the pool wonderful stadium style seating around the pool deck uh you can even see the uh, georgia themed towel right there too which is a, a a really good thing there as well so george malcolm certainly showing you where he was right there we will give him a, a golden shoe for that and by the way lousy stinking gators they may be relatively close to the beach but they're a long way away from the kind of celebratory cruises we get to enjoy and 191 days from right now it gets even worse that is our gator hater countdown have a great day we'll see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp